Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. Later in the show, turning rap into rooms, turning beats into beds. It's the 10th annual Hip Hop for the Homeless coming to Holyoke tomorrow night. And we'll talk with Catalyst, one of the MCs performing, and Hip Hop for the Homeless founder, Joey Bats. And last week, we learned that Merriam-Webster's Word of the Year was authentic. Coming up this hour, we'll hear about some of the runners-up for Word of the Year from our resident word nerd, Greenfield's Emily Brewster. But first... This Saturday, December 9th, 7 p.m., the second annual Trans Health Holiday Party at the Marigold Theater featuring NPR Tiny Desk Songwriting Contest winner Quinn Christofferson. Christofferson, an indigenous songwriter born, raised, and based in Anchorage, Alaska. He won in 2019 with his song Erase Me, which NPR called a nuanced take on his experience as a transgender man coming to terms with the power of his voice. I'm tired. He'll be performing this Saturday as a benefit for Trans Health. Joining us from Trans Health, based here in Western Mass, is their CEO, Dallas Dukar. Dallas was a faculty member at the University of Virginia School of Nursing, Columbia University, and the Mass General Hospital Institute for Health Professions. Is that correct? That is. Okay, it's good. a mouthful. <laughs> and brings a wealth of expertise to her role in shaping the future of health care through trans health. As a fellow of the American Academy of Nursing, Dallas shapes health policy related to equity, ethics, and affirming care. Thank you so much for joining us, Dallas. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Great to be back. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to say holiday a whole bunch yes. because like, I, it just makes me happy every time. Because tis the season. Tis totally. The season. <laughs> we, have been, we wanted to get like an underwriter for our coverage this year of making the Yuletide gayer, which is oh. how we have oh been. God. We just had the the uh, maker the queer makers market on last uh, yesterday. So yep. yes. yeah, there's no shortage of opportunities. But tell us about this holiday party happening this Saturday, Dallas. Yeah, so the holiday party is really going to be a time. It's going to be our, first of all our second annual holiday party, which is really exciting yeah. because we're really able to shape these events in a way that feels authentic to the community to really bring other community members into the space as well to really be able to make it accessible to. So having a sliding scale that also allows you to pay what you want, including zero dollars, too. So we really don't want to try to create those same structures that have uh, pushed people out of community gatherings or fundraisers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And instead create a space where we all can celebrate queer joy and don our holiday sweaters yeah. for the second year in a row. Don, we now our gay apparel. It's so fun for it's me. It's every day. Um, for those who aren't familiar with Trans Health or the other times that you've been on, on the show, Dallas, um, you are uh, the only U.S. provider of, for gender-affirming care that has, in the entire country, that specifically focuses on gender-affirming care and are based here. Is that true? As far as we know, so we are trans-led, which is really important. Mm -hmm. We have intentionally tried to bring in trans people across the organization soup to nuts. So if you are a patient coming in, whether it's the person at the front desk, your nurse, your provider, the CEO, you can see yourself seen in the lived experience of someone else. And you can see a, you know, a thriving, successful person who's there to help. Mm -hmm. And we really believe that that is critical to not othering a community or having some type of savior syndrome in some way, but instead to have this be for us and, and by us, right? And so we have 100% of our budget dedicated to the care for trans and gender diverse individuals, along with research, advocacy, education, many, many community services. And right now we're clocking in at about 50 employees. Yeah. So we've had tremendous growth since mm -hmm. the last time 
I was on the Exponential. Show. Yeah. <laughs> That's all over the course of this year, right? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Doubled our team. And, and we have amazing, amazing folks who are coming to us from across the country who want to really be a part of this great project. That's incredibly impressive and possibly stressful. Like that amount of growth is like puberty. Has it been hard to take on that much growth in such a short period of time? It has. Yes. I mean, we started as a team of 13 people and we all, you know, were meeting in the same room trying to get our our Bluetooth speaker working during (laughs) COVID. So some people could come in virtually and not trying to like tilt the computer in just the right way. So we were all, but we were all doing this with everyone being able to sit at a table. And as the organization has grown, so too have the needs of the organization, so too have our ability to provide amazing care. We have over 3,000 people now who are receiving services from us. And, you know, to put that in perspective, Fenway Health, which is the largest provider in the Northeast, clocks in at about 4,000 or so. The largest so, provider for trans health or for health in general? Largest provider for transgender health uh-huh. care, yeah. yes. So we are growing in the services we can provide, and we are also growing pretty strongly in our uh, primary care services and mental health services and other community offerings too. With that growth also requires uh, additional work to make sure that everything is running smoothly, right? And that we're able to get people in at the front desk and we're able to get people the medications they need and we're able to serve them when they need the care. And it just means more people there. So that growth also will probably tamper a little bit in the next year as we try to iron things out and just make sure that we are at a nice cruising altitude. Holidays can be fraught for the queer community in general uh, because of family relations and culture in general. Do you notice a change in the general atmosphere of what you provide around this time of year and is that also being addressed by this party? Because mental health is one of the things that trans health provides. Yeah. We do see that around, I think, the holidays and and generally around the the winter months in general being in New England that folks can experience some additional mental health Because the sun decides to shun us and we wonder why for three months. Like, what did we do? Seasonal affective disorder is real. It's sad. It's sad. The actual acronym is sad. I have the sads. I do too. Yes. So take that and then also take the, unfortunately, the large amount of anti-trans legislation that is out there right now and and growing across the United States and then the rhetoric and then take also the complications that people have or sometimes the harm that people experience from trying to connect with family during the holidays. All of that gets amplified, which is why we made the intentional choice to really, really offer substantial psychotherapy and psychiatry, you know, not just a short-term time with psychotherapy, but really being able to do longer term care, right? And also have community groups that people can come in and get peer support and find their community there, along with many, many other community offerings that will be reopening again in, in January as well. Because we we know that this is vital. And we know that so many people have had families that have just been unsupportive. And we want to be able to be there for them when their families may not be able to be receptive to them, and at the same time, uh, be able to create a different type of chosen family. 
Coming up, more with TransHealth CEO Dallas Dukar. We'll hear about how this Western Mass-based healthcare group has become an oasis for trans people across the country. And later in the show, runners-up for Springfield-based Merriam-Webster's Word of the Year, plus hip-hop for the homeless coming to Holyoke tomorrow. You're I just added tomorrow, so I cut you off. Okay, when you're well, about that's to fine. Say. You know, whatever. <laughs> you're listening to The Fabulous 413 on 88.5 NEPM. We're speaking with Dallas Dukar, the CEO of Trans Health, based here in Western Mass, who's having their Holla Gay party at the Marigold Theater this Saturday. And you were mentioning a lot of the anti-trans legislation that uh, passed this year, a record number of laws this year in particular. And as we also mentioned, this Trans Health based in Western Mass is the only one that we know of its kind in the whole country. How many people are coming from outside of our area to you looking for this sort of gender affirming care, all sorts of different strata of health care in conjunction with their uh, trans identities? Yeah. So right now, there's so little access to care that folks are just trying to find a place that provides care. Mm -hmm. They may not necessarily be looking for trans health, which has all of its budget dedicated to this care. They're just looking for some health care, right? Because we're seeing states ban access to health care and intervene in the choices of families, right? And so we have seen people who have come up to Massachusetts, patients who otherwise could not receive care and receive aid or be able to pay for it themselves to then receive care from us. Mm -hmm. Um, We are seeing this, I've been told, almost on a a weekly basis at this point. We are seeing people who are moving to Massachusetts, relocating permanently because, again, their their states are overtly hostile to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I was recently told is that there were people calling across the United States to try to find access to care. And many other clinics had extraordinarily long wait lists. And we were one of the few that didn't have that, right? Mm -hmm. So that's something that we are really, really dedicated to, is continuing to maintain easy access. You know, when I make an appointment for my own primary care, unrelated to anything related to gender, it can take up to six months, eight months just to get an appointment. There's a problem with primary care and mental health access in general in this country. And what we are trying to do, especially with the entry to our clinic, especially with just trying to receive that care is say, we're going to get you in as quickly as possible. And we've seen that happen within two weeks or so at this point, which is really exciting. That's impressive. Given our new hirings, yes. <laughs> yeah. So we want to maintain that. That is really impressive for primary care at this point. I have to say, I'm a little jealous of that <laughs> because I can't see my PCP or anybody else for that matter until next year. Well, uh, well, so many people, when I tell them about the care we provide, it's individual, it's person-centered. They say, God, I wish I had care yeah, like that, right? right? And it. You know, I think we so often get focused on the hormones or the other transgender specific things, but so many of the things people need are not related to that. It's just being treated <laughs> in a way that's compassionate and then getting basic healthcare services. That's yeah. what I love about you and trans health and the whole vision behind the thing. You want to reform all healthcare. Right? Oh, yeah. Not just trans healthcare. <laughs> yes. And this, the model that you're trying to implement here, based in Western Mass, could theoretically revolutionize the way we all do healthcare. Yes, you'll hear me say time and time again that this is just good healthcare. Yes. And there's a movement and, and you know, MassHealth is actually adopting this framework and, and other insurers are as well and payment 
plans around value-based healthcare. And value-based healthcare is providing good value healthcare. So one thing that you want to do is get the right patient at the right time with the right intervention. So you want to be a high value to that patient and also not be so costly that uh, it creates waste in the healthcare system. And what we see at TransHealth is if you lead with affirmation, if you lead with just caring for that person who they are in a primary care setting at the forefront, then that's good value-based care because you create a, a sense of trust at the outset. And that then leads to the person coming back when they need that care versus deferring care and getting worse off or over-utilizing the care when it may be unnecessary. Mm -hmm. right. We have heard a lot about the laws that have been passed, anti-trans laws throughout the country. Um, but, you know, it's the holiday season and everybody's trying to feel good, maybe. <laughs> um, you're having your holiday party, a benefit for trans health on Saturday, Dallas Tucar. What Were there any victories that you see either locally or nationwide for the trans community when it comes to legislation? Yeah. Uh, of course, I will always go back to the shield law that our uh, mm -hmm. state legislature so uh, thoughtfully passed in ensuring that we had constitutional protections for gender-affirming care in this state and that we can ensure that we provide this care regardless of the patient's location. Moving forward in this year, one of the big wins I saw was one that we helped advise the legislative body on um, and was then passed in the budget, which started with a pilot program that TransHealth started. It was an access program, and specifically it was modeled after the Massachusetts Child Psychiatry Access Program. Uh, and this access program, funded by the Blue Cross Blue Shield Foundation, allowed us to consult providers wherever they were on gender-related needs mm. or on, on gender-affirming care. So that instead of having to go to a place like TransHealth, yeah. That instead you could keep your own provider, mm -hmm. and within 48 hours you could actually get the provider could get clinical advice on an, a consultation, so that then they can best help a marginalized population right there, and that that person doesn't need to then go change their care delivery. Is TransHealth providing that clinical advice? So we were doing that for a period of time as a pilot, mm -hmm. and it was now passed in the budget. And since being passed in the budget, it will be implemented by. HHS, the state level HHS in the coming year. So the That's state awesome. will then be training people on how to, to collaborate do. with these insurance companies? The state will have a program to allow for a consultation uh -huh. um, so that providers can consult with other skilled providers so that patients can get the best care right there. It seems weird that we would need legislation so that medical providers can talk to each other about <laughs> the things that they are less knowledgeable about. And yet here we are. <laughs> Yeah, healthcare can be so siloed. At right. Times. So siloed. And that's it's not just related to gender affirming care. We no. see state funded programs on child <coughs> psychiatry. There's McPap for moms, another one too that's for maternal health. So, you know, it's great to see that uh, DPH and HHS really stepping up and funding these programs. That's, you know, I think one win on a, on a state level too. Uh, we've also seen very recently that there's been. Um, more work on uh, gender-neutral bathrooms as well, which has been really exciting. 
Um, and specifically, we saw that the uh, Board of State Examiners of Plumbers and Gas Fitters unanimously signed support for a change in state plumbing code, which is really great, which then can permit all gender multi-user bathrooms in public facilities. Right? Nice. Which is great. I love that the plumbers are on your side. <laughs> the plumbers are on our side. <laughs> when it comes to bathrooms, the plumbers are on your side. Who else do you need? The plumbers are on your side and the government has said, hey, you should talk to each other. Yeah. We Yay. need a broad coalition here. <laughs> <laughs> We're speaking with the CEO of Trans Health based here in Western Mass, Dallas Ducar, who's holding their holiday party this Saturday at the Marigold Theater in East Hampton. Not to move it back to the party, but uh, you've brought in some really amazing people all year, like with with um, oh pony, pony sweat, sweat. <laughs> my brain, which was a dance party that they had uh, a couple months ago, and now with Quinn Christofferson. How did you connect with this songwriter to bring them in for your party? Who won the NPR Tiny Desk concert in 2019? Shameless NPR plug. Well, I, I have to uh, give a shout out to our. Uh, Previous fundraising lead, uh, M. Ayers, who yeah. was able to connect us to Quinn mm-hmm. and make sure that uh, we were able to bring them on. Also, Pony Sweat was another one of their brilliant ideas, too. <laughs> uh, and in starting a new organization, there are so many things that you have to do, especially a healthcare organization. And the really cool thing about that fundraising vision is that it was uh, and has been a space where we can bring in celebration and reduce barriers and also just try to create a space for art too, right? Like real art and joy and, and rethink how we think about healthcare, that public art, that our own expressions of our own identity, that this can be a part of uh, health. Mm. And we don't have to just think of this in a way that is dictated by whatever insurance says healthcare is going to be. But instead, we can say, this is good healthcare, and this is art. Pony Sweat is one example of that. Quinn's another example. Alok, who we had oh, yeah. for the birthday party, was another great, great person. Yeah. Uh, Mary Lambert, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, local hero. So, yeah. you know, I think it's, it's really uh, exciting to see the people we brought in, and there's so much more to come. And, and I think that is what happens when you get a, a group of creative and committed individuals all together in a startup in a space in the valley. A lot of ideas come together and you can rethink this outside of the confines of traditional healthcare that has unfortunately been, in some cases, weaponized against Mm -hmm. people. Instead, create a place that's expansive, joyous, liberatory. And I think it's gonna be joyous on Saturday at the Marigold Theater. I was listening to Quinn Christofferson's uh, album and it is Healthcare and it, it's very, it's beautiful, it's emotional, it's fun. Did you see their recent music video with Yo Yo Ma? <gasps> no. no, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I love Yo Yo Ma. Oh, it's yes. great. The CEO of Trans Health, Dallas Stukar, their Trans Health Holiday Party this Saturday, December 9th, at the Marigold Theater in East Hampton, featuring NPR Tiny Desk songwriting contest winner Quinn Christofferson. Thank you so much. Thank you. Happy to be here. And um, yeah, come on out, don your sweaters, and uh, join the gay fun, y'all. Exactly. (laughs) Sparkly, sparkly. This is that song with Yo-Yo Ma that we just referenced. Later in the show, hip-hop for the homeless coming to Holyoke. We'll talk with MC's Catalyst and Force and founder, Joey Batts. And up next, find out why Elon Musk is unfortunately the center point for so many of the runners-up for Merriam-Webster's Word of the Year. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on 88.5 NEPM.
The Fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, homegrown in Hatfield, Massachusetts, and providing energy savings for their customers for over 10 years. Learn more at northeast-solar.com. Emily Brewster, our resident wordster from Merriam-Webster, our fair dictionary in Springfield, returns. We missed you last week when... The word of the year, Merriam-Webster's word of the year was unveiled, but for those listeners who might have missed it, what was Merriam-Webster's word of the year? It was authentic. Authentic. Kind of boring, but interesting in the same way that a a conversation about AI and fake news all wrapped up in one word that we've used our entire lives. Well, and about cultural representation and interaction as well. Yeah, there's a lot packed into that. Yeah, Even though the yeah word it's a boring word until, boring. You, until you look at where it's used and how it's applied, and then it becomes not so boring. Yes. What I love about the word of the year, even more oftentimes than the word of the year itself, is the runners-up for word of the year. Because while authentic rose to the top of the charts, lookups this year over last year about what the word authentic means, and that's how Merriam-Webster decides the word of the year. It's essentially by popular vote by lookups on their dictionary website. What other words were runners-up for word of the year? Well, runners-up is a little bit of a misnomer because some of these would not qualify for word of the year no matter what because they just had a single big spike. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the word of the year is always a word that has significance throughout the year. And there is one very unusual, I think it's, it's unprecedented really even, word in our list because this word was not entered in our dictionary last year. But once it was entered, it was just for the rest of the year, it was it was looked up a great, great deal. Do you have any guess? Is it one of the Simpsons words? No. I don't know. I have no idea. Riz. Riz. Oh, Oh, the children's. (laughs) I'm glad the children are still using the dictionary. No, 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 it's not the children's who needed the dictionary. (laughs) The children's are using it and their parents are like, what are my kids talking about? Is Is he one of the founders of Wu-Tang Clan? I'll let you try my Wu-Tang style. I think that's right. I think the parents want to know if their kid is using a word that is, um, if there's something really wrong with it or something. For the olds like us, what does Riz mean, Emily Brewster? Well, it functions as both a noun and a verb. And as a noun, it means romantic appeal or charm. And as a verb, it means to charm or seduce. Now, some people have said that this word is, and and it's plausible, that it's short for charisma or that it's an alteration of the word charisma. But... The person who is credited with coining this word, YouTuber named Kai Sanat, has said that no, it's not it's not short for charisma. But he has also given no other source for the word. Other he says that <laughs> he and his friends are just talking and hanging out and this word came up and they started using it and now we're all using it. But that that person has no claim on this word anymore. It's it's left his mouth and into the ether, and it's the people's word now. We yeah. define what it means, I guess, right? Oh, that's very true. Yeah. Yes, its meaning is out of his control, but where it came from is not. I right? suppose. If he says it's not short for charisma, then okay. <laughs> do you put that in the dictionary? Do you say a lot of people think it, well, it has to do with uh, charisma, but, but this guy doesn't? But also, like, it's a word that popped up with, between him and his friends. What if his friends say that it's from charisma? Yeah, we could ask the friends. <laughs> this word came from committee. Right, right. Well, our etymology says perhaps short for charisma. <laughs> okay. So, because nothing else has been suggested. Mm. So that is was not in the dictionary last year, but it was entered this year mm-hmm. as part yes. of your big word dump earlier in the fall? Word dump, Monty? Well, well how many words was it? Like <laughs> 690. Yeah. 
I, I, More than the last two years Not to think of it as a dump. What what should we call it? An onslaught? That sounds violent. I mean... A dictionary enhancement. Okay. And I know that there's been a movement to use less violent language, but also, like, I really like how descriptive violent language is. So It it can be, for sure. I'm for onslaught. (laughs) Words do mean things, but... It's just nice to use those sometimes. I like dump. I like the brutality of it. <laughs> what are some other interesting words that were contenders for word of the year, or at least tripped the radar of Merriam-Webster.com for uh, increased lookups in the year 2023? Yes, the next one is a true a true runner-up. This is deep fake. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, this ties into authentic, which it is does. the word of the year for sure. If people aren't familiar with what deep fake is, how does Merriam-Webster define it? An image or recording that has been convincingly altered and manipulated to misrepresent someone as doing or saying something that was not actually done or said. It is terrifying for me to watch these things unless it's being used to enhance young Luke Skywalker in, say, The Mandalorian or whatever (laughs) Star Wars television show is being adapted. I want to tell you about someone you remind me of a great deal. Other than that, it is a, a little bit troublesome. And it reminds yeah. me of when we went to our corn maze. Yes. At Mike's Maze in Sunderland, where the you know the whole theme was about AI and artificial intelligence and and what to expect in the future and should we fear it or not. Right. Well, this word had two spikes in the data that traced to specific incidents. One was when uh, lawyers for Elon Musk argued that he shouldn't have to give legal testimony about public statements he made because there are deep fakes about him. So maybe those those statements were actually deep fakes. Like it wasn't him. It was deep fake Elon Musk. And it was used as a as a reason for him to not have to testify. Huh. The judge rejected this argument. Yes. <laughs> Rightly it <Yes>. seems. <laughs> also I feel like yes. it would be hard to do deep fakes of him because he moves his mouth so little trying to make it look like he's saying something. Maybe that makes difficult. it easier for the deep fake people. Perhaps. Because he's so not expressive. I saw that uh, <laughs> staged, which is not the same as deepfake, was trending yesterday on Elon Musk's platform, which I will always call Twitter, because there was a picture of the Bidens decorating their Christmas tree and it had Joe Biden up on a ladder. And people were like, he can't get up on the ladder. This must be staged. Or maybe it was deepfake Joe Biden. Or maybe it was just real. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Was there another incident you said that might have triggered yes. the, the lookups of deepfake? Yes. In May... A fan made an ad for Tesla that featured a likeness of Ryan Reynolds. Oh. <laughs> all of this surrounds Elon Musk, which I don't like at all. Yeah. Well, and then and then also um, the the presidential campaign of Ron DeSantis used apparently fake images of Donald Trump, and that that was around the same time as the uh, the Tesla ad. Uh, the future looks yeah. so scary. <laughs> I don't want to look at things and think and wonder if this is real or deep fake. There's a dude who looks just like Keanu Reeves who's on social media and does all these things. It's not Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves is on no social media. I feel like I should be way less apathetic about this than I am, but growing up reading a lot of science fiction where corporations own everything, I just feel like, yeah, this is this is what is supposed to be happening right about now. All right, soon Taco Bell will be the only restaurant we have. I would like you to accompany me to Taco Bell. Oh, that's a very different future. Okay. <laughs> all right, a happier word. The word coronation. A happier word for one guy. <laughs> yes. Well, and it's not. He, he's a, it's been not waiting such for a, that word to apply to him for years. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. He he waited a long, long time, and this doesn't have to do with AI, right? Like I think he actually was crowned. I think so yeah. too. Yes. Eventually, yeah. he is the authentic king of England at this point. Yes. For yep. another ten minutes, probably before he sadly passes away too. 
<laughs> it was very interesting to see the people who had never had a king before just be like, I don't know what happens now. This is all strange. Right. We thought the king was Michael Jackson or Elvis. Oh. And then they should have gone through this like crisis before they knew what to do. Uh-huh. So that's an obvious one. Why that would that one yeah. would that one have potentially become the word of the year because of the coronation of King Charles now? No, and that again because it's just a is just tied to a specific incident. Right. And because Merriam-Webster's so is, the American dictionary of English, not the Oxford English. Maybe it would have been Oxford Englishes. They haven't announced their word of the year yet, have they? No, they did. They did. Their their oh. word was Riz. Oh, their word was Riz. Interesting. That's great. They do it differently than you because they are not basing it on lookups. They basically just have their editorial board decide, right? Actually, they, I think that this year they came up with a short list and then they let people vote. Oh, okay. So still, still kind of the same. I don't know how they came up with their shortlist. Fair enough. Yeah. So there is more editorial um, input on the Oxford English Dictionary's word of the year. That's why I like the Merriam-Webster version of it. It seems I mean, more democratic. I mean, this is a topic for a later sit down with, with Emily Brewster, because now I'm curious what was on the shortlist for Oxford. I know. I am, too, actually. I haven't looked at it that much. But they apparently their editors chose a shortlist that they felt like was compiling words that reflected the mood, ethos, or preoccupations of the year. Oh, and Riz is what they came up with. Huh. Yeah. Last year, their word was goblin mode. <laughs> <laughs> they do pick fun words. Are they picking, are they only picking words from TikTok? <laughs> I, yeah. No, no comment. I have never used the words goblin mode or Riz in real conversation. And that may just be a product of my age. But I mean, part of it is I've used goblin mode a little bit, but I think that's just because I hang out with more gamers. Yeah. All right, another one. This one is also not very happy, and this again is a is a was a true contender. Dystopian. Well, oh, there you have it. It ties yeah. everything all together with a nice little dystopian bow. Again, I saved know. by sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, oh no, this is just this is the future that I was foretold in all of those novels <laughs> that I read as a child. Luckily, it's just the beginning of that future. Yeah, it's better to get in at the beginning than to deal with the consequences, honestly, yeah. for if any of that fiction is to be believed. And frankly, maybe it is. Yeah. How does Merriam-Webster define dystopian, one of the runners-up for its 2023 word of the year? She doesn't have the dictionary memorized. Of relating to or being an imagined world or society in which people lead dehumanized, fearful lives. <sighs> yep. I mean, yep. if what people are looking up is the canary in the coal mine, we're not looking good for <laughs> going into the next year. <laughs> the first, the first time that this word spiked a bit was in early April. The Republican National Committee released an ad that was built entirely with AI-generated imagery. The ad portrayed what was described by many by many people as a dystopian future that the RNC asserts will result with the re-election of Joe Biden. So you re-elect the person who's president now, and this is the future that is sure to come. It doesn't really seem logical to me because he is the current president. Yeah. So, And then um, that was followed by Earth Day. Earth Day was a bit grim. Record high temperatures had just preceded the celebration of Earth Day. So that, yeah, the word dystopian was invoked there too. And then also with the Canadian wildfires, you know, stories about AI also. The part of the year where we looked at Australia and said, hold my beer. (laughs) Also video games and movies. Yeah. Right? Always a a key source of tales of dystopia. Especially in the past couple of years. (laughs) 
Let's do something fun. Because Honestly, I'm, I'm one so of bummed. my favorite genres. I like reading about how much worse it could be. <laughs> I also like those genres for fiction, but this is is just creeping too much into the world of, of reality. Could be worse. Okay, here's here's the next one. And this one had a huge spike. But again, it was just tied to one event. It is EGOT. Oh, oh. nice. Do you remember? Do you remember who, who got an EGOT? This year? Yeah. Oh. Who no. got an EGOT in 2023? I don't know. Not John Legend. No. He's close, though. I think he is an EGOT. I just don't think he got it in 2023. Tell us. Well, for people who do not know, an EGOT is the achieving of an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. All of those awards. And the person who got an EGOT this year is Viola Davis. Oh, oh well-deserved. Right. I planted a seed to watch a parade over. I planted myself inside you and waited to bloom. It didn't take me no 18 years to realize the soil was hard and rocky and it was never going to bloom. Yeah. Yeah. She won a Grammy for her reading of uh, the audiobook version of her memoir. That's nice. I uh, like yeah. when you know somebody's so close to being an EGOT, too, and you're, like, really rooting for them. Like, do something that's in the recording industry so you can win a Grammy. <laughs> or go do something on stage yeah, so right. you can have a Tony. Yeah, do it. That's got to be the hardest one to get, the Tony. The Tony's got to be the hardest yeah, one. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think, like, Rachel... Get that Ma- one out early. Rachel Maddow <laughs> is going to be close to having an, an ego once she works with Steven Spielberg and all that with mm. the, the the movie versions of her podcast. But the, she'd have to do like a, a one-woman show on Broadway to get the tea. Yeah, I don't know if she'd be interested. I don't. I also, do, I also don't I'm know. I'm pretty sure she would not. I'm pretty sure too. Well, that's good. I love Viola Davis. And John yeah. Legend is an EGOT. He was the first, oh, he first black man to become an EGOT. So, nice. Yeah. Okay, the next one, X. Nope. Nope. I know, what, I know. Elon, Elon Musk cannot be part of everything in the world. I know he's rich, but come on. X? Yeah. People looked well, up X? Yeah, people looked up X. They did. 885% more how many, than in 2022. How many definitions of X are there? Many. I mean, X is a very interesting letter, actually, right? Because it has, uh, you know, it's more than just a, it signifies more than just a sound. Right. More than just, a, you know, a graphic representation. Right. It is, of course, the 24th letter of the alphabet, a graphic representation of this letter, a speech counterpart of orthographic X. It also means 10 in Roman numerals. Mm-hmm. One designated X, especially as the 24th in order or class, or the first in an order or class that includes X, Y, and sometimes Z. It's also used to refer to an unknown quantity, and also used to refer to something that is shaped like or marked with the letter X. And they've got like X's and O's. Mm -hmm. Luckily, it doesn't say Twitter anywhere in your dictionary, right? No. Under X? You can X something out, but you don't X a message, for example, and we do still tweet things. That's true. Is Grimes listed under there because she's Elon Musk X? <laughs> no, different type of X. <laughs> different X. I see. Different X. Yes. But is it? Maybe it's not. <laughs> We're gonna call her Twitter now. <laughs> That's funny. Well, Emily Brewster, we're going to do more runners-up as the year comes to a close about some of the words of the year runners-up from your dictionary. What's your favorite of the runners-up? Have you listed it already? Mm. We could save no, it. No, no, I'm saving it till next, till next week. Uh-huh. Okay. A teaser, as they say in the biz. <laughs> Up next, hip-hop for the homeless comes to Holyoke Thursday night. We'll talk with MC's Catalyst Force and founder, Joey Batts. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on 88.5 NEPM.
taught to protect your neck. Keep cautious in the clutch. Welcome back to the Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmont. And I'm Khalees Smith. And you are listening to the music of Catalyst, who joins us in the studio and who will be part of Hip Hop for the Homeless, which is happening tomorrow night at Gateway City Arts in Holyoke. We're also joined by Force, soon to be city councilor at large in Northampton, but current city councilor Garrick Perry and the founder of of, of Hip Hop for the Homeless, Joey Bats. Welcome. Hello. Hello. What's goody? <laughs> How's everybody doing out there? Couldn't you? Great. It's great to be back. Yeah. Miss this place. Force was on the very first episode of the Fabulous 413 when we were at the Jizza concert at uh, Hawks and Reed. Oh. Were you, you, I, you I were at the show, yes. and I saw you, but you weren't actually on the radio show. That's yes, fine. Yes, yeah. Force has actually been on a bunch. Yeah. Force was on with me talking about black nerd stuff later yeah. during Juneteenth week, too. And you were on for Pride in Northampton. And the You've been on a lot of times. We're like a regular I'm, put, I'm putting numbers on the board, regular. as they say. <laughs> we've been, <laughs> we've been around a little bit, it sounds like. Yeah. Okay, we should talk about this actual event instead yes, of how many times Force has been on the show. Yes, you're right. So, Hip Hop for the Homeless celebrating 10 years. Joey Bats, tell us where you're from, where this idea came from. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just thank you so much for, for letting me come here. I think this is so dope. Shout out to both Force and Catalyst for kind of just like continuing our friendship through hip hop and allowing us to have Hip Hop for the Homeless in the 413. Um, I'm, from, I'm from New York, but lo and behold, I've been in Connecticut for the last 25 years. Um, hip Hop for the Homeless is a multi-city tour that's been touring and uh, you know happening in Connecticut for the last nine. We're celebrating our 10th year this December. We've already had three shows. And a couple months ago, I reached out to my guys and I was like, yo, I'm trying to like expand this thing. I think it would be super dope to have it up by you um we got our wheels turning we, we made some connections and uh we've actually made it happen so tomorrow night will be the first hip-hop for the homeless performance in any city outside of connecticut and i'm super pumped that it's happening in uh in the 413 man and it's the only one yeah for this yeah. run that is happening outside of connecticut too Absolutely. so doubly special doubly special yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm super pumped we have 10 shows this year and uh we only have one show out of state and it's this one that's happening that's wicked cool yeah. Tell us what organizations you're working with and how what you're doing is supporting the homeless communities that you're working with. Yeah, so the model like lends itself to um to we 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 throw a show, all independent artists, independent DJ, all these rappers, all these very very talented people um kind of donate their talents and donate their time as well as the venues donating their space. Um, no one takes anything at the end of the night. All the money raised, all the clothing collected, all the food collected, um, all goes to a specific um, either food pantry or a specific um, homeless shelter in that specific town. So some of the ones we've worked with are Hands on Hartford in Hartford, the Simsbury Food Pantry in Simsbury, the Friendship Center in New Britain. But I think you could kind of speak to, to the one we're pairing with yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. tomorrow. Joey um, Bats hands the microphone to <laughs> Catalyst, who's performing. Yeah, yeah as, as far as on a local scale, um, for the show tomorrow, all of the, the proceeds, donations, and things like that are going to go to a, a family place or the family place. I'm not sure the, the official title, uh, but they work with families who have 
have suffered uh, domestic violence and need a place to stay in the transitionary period throughout all those things. Um, so I, I just, you know, reached out to a friend of mine, Earl, who is also an MC in the area, uh, and he just, you know, let me know that this was the place that probably needed it the most, and mm. they were, you know, on the fringe of not being able to support and help the people that they needed to. So I made the decision based on that. That's great. Yeah. Is Earl on the bill for the show It on is. Thursday? Yep, yep. It's on the flyer to let you know where all that stuff is going and all that good stuff. And, no, uh, Earl, your friend who told you where to send oh, the money. Oh, Earl is not. No, no, no. I don't know if Earl is still actively behind the mic anymore, but uh, That's all right. we'll find out. So who, who is going to be at this show tomorrow at Gateway yeah. besides you, Kevin? Um, besides me, yes, I, I will be performing tomorrow. Um, it's going to be hosted by the lovely Joey Bats that got here with me. Uh, oh, but yeah. we're also going to have my, my good friend DRC or The Rebel Cause. We're going to have Crown Quan, uh, Manny May, uh, and Murph, who's also a mutual friend of uh, Joey and ours. Uh, so what's really cool about it is at the Divine Theater recently, I started a bunch of showcases to kind of help younger artists uh, get their, their, I guess, their feet under them about performing and how to do it and get the technique right and stuff like that. So a lot of the acts you're going to see tomorrow night are actually uh, acts that have flourished because of that. Uh, so it, it's a passion point of mine in multiple facets. So I'm, I'm very excited about tomorrow. Dope. And are all these MCs from the 413, or where are they coming from? No, um, so uh, uh, Manny May is from the 413, DRC is from the 413, uh, Crown Quan, I believe, is from Springfield. I actually haven't formally met him. We've done some some uh, politic and back and forth. Uh, but then uh, Murph is from Connecticut, uh, I believe the, the Hartford area. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a Hartford cat, so this is dope. I'm, like, bringing one of my friends up with me. It's going to be a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. Like keeping it connected. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Has teaching MCs to be on stage changed anything about the way that you were on stage, Catalyst? Uh, a ton, actually, a ton. Um, it's given me a lot of perspective, uh, seeing, you know, how I used to be back in the day watching video and old <laughs> footage and stuff like that. Uh, it, it's just taught me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I got Force in my corner because he's been that kind of person in my corner, kind of, you know, guiding me and directing me. But, uh, you know, it just lets me know I could have had more and I wish I would have listened more. Uh, and I can see that in some of the younger artists as well. I can also see the talent and, uh, you know, the potential behind some of these kids and they just need that extra guidance and that extra person behind them. Um, and I'm glad I get to be that person. Yeah. It's Hip Hop for the Homeless. It's happening tomorrow at Gateway City Arts in Holyoke. And we're joined by one of the MCs performing, Catalyst, as well as Joey Batts, the founder of Hip Hop for the Homeless, and his good buddy Force, who happens to be a city councilor in Northampton, soon to be city councilor at large in Northampton. Garrick Perry, uh, you know, I know that you're not intimately involved with the in, the inner workings of the city of Holyoke, but homelessness and houselessness is an issue that is affecting every community. Talk about like, some of the things that have going on with you in Northampton in response to houselessness as of late. Well, that's a good question, Monty. But before I move on to that, I do want to talk about why I'm excited about this event. Uh, like a good to... politician, you answer the question you want to answer, <laughs> exactly. not the question that was asked. Get him! Get him! So for, for me, Get him. really, I'm excited for this because this is a this is a perfect merging of of my worlds. You know, I've known Joey Bats for a number of years. We met through uh, my band, The Alchemistics. Joey Bats, uh, I had a band, Joey Bats, in them. You may have seen mm -hmm. his face throughout Northampton. Uh, he is your best friend, if you remember that sticker campaign. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. and, 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 and then also, you know, my brother Catalyst, um, it's been great watching him grow into a mentor for folks. Uh, so uh, also, I used to work at Gateway City Arts. Right. I spent uh, a number of years there. And so I think it's really important to really give back to cities, inner cities. And what Gateway City Arts for me provided was a space that had potential. It was it was something that could give back to the local community. And that's one of the reasons why we chose to do uh, this event at Gateway City Arts. Mm -hmm. I was telling Joey today that uh, on this day, December 6th, eight years ago, we had an event for our uh, founder, 
Dempsey Zulo at Gateway City Arts. It was my first uh, time there, so I feel like it's come full circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, things like that happen. But uh, in terms of the houseless population in Northampton, um, you know, the, the city itself is doing a lot to try and handle that. We are in the process of opening up a resiliency hub. I'm very excited about that. We just uh, purchased the place from Eric Sewer. Uh, and it's we, at the end of Main Street, sort of right near City Hall. Right near City mm-hmm. Hall. It used to be a church. Uh, and, and I had the pleasure of taking a walkthrough of that in last February uh, just to see what it looks like. There's a, a stage there. Yeah, it's a beautiful uh, it's space inside. Amazing uh, stained glass uh, ceilings. Um, and, and so they're doing that. Northampton has also started the Division of Community Care, and that is up and running. Eventually, it will be in the Resiliency Hub. Right now, it's uh, where the, what was the Chowder House? The Smithsonian. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So it's placed there, uh, and we're looking at ways to, to really interact with our house's population. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to be doing some work with MANA next year, uh, doing a education program, like a hip-hop writing program with some of the folks who utilize that service. Uh, this is the first time I've talked about this publicly. <laughs> uh, Man, it's a soup kitchen in downtown Northampton, an mm-hmm. excellent organization, making sure people have enough to eat. Yeah, uh, And so, so I'm excited to continue my work again as, as becoming counselor at large to do this uh, work of, of bridging entertainment and community building uh, in our areas. Yeah. Joey, beyond looking for organizations that are in the cities that you ha- plan this event, has anything changed about how you run it being here in Holyoke as opposed to when you run it in Connecticut? Um, not necessarily. I think the biggest thing is figuring out that like after 10 years, it's, it's kind of wild to do anything for 10 years, <laughs> right? So, yes. so, like, to do something like this for 10 years, um, to, to keep it from being stale, right? To, to see exponential growth, to, to, to get people excited about it. Um, I think we all have to change. Right. Right. As as sentient beings, when we create things as artists, um, as thinkers, as creators, I think everything needs to change and adapt. So I think of hip hop for the homeless just kind of, you know, pulsing and like moving out, you know, its radius further and further and further. And I think um, hopefully this is the first of of many kind of um, collaborations where I would love to see multiple dates mm. in Massachusetts next year. I, I would I would love to to be able to have nonprofit status myself as hip hop for the homeless just so I could pass the reins. And, and and you know obviously I'm I'm going to try to come to any event I can. But if I was able to do that, then I would love to see um, other artists kind of pick up the mantle like Catalyst has. And and to me, that is the thing that makes what we're doing that gives it even more longevity. Um, because we can't always have the same artists on every show, right? We we can't have the same artists involved. Um, we're getting older, just like the cause is getting older. So so we have to keep reinventing the wheel in in getting newer artists and fresher artists. And hip hop is is moving so fast, right? Just like the numbers of homelessness are raising um, more and more. So I think we have to keep up with that in regards to just you know getting our finger on the pulse and and having more and more people you know, come out, whether they're an artist themselves or whether they're just someone who wants to, to partake in, in a dope, you know, show for a dope cause. Hip Hop for the Homeless happening in Holyoke tomorrow at Gateway City Arts. 
the 10th year. You did a week's worth of shows, three shows last week. Yeah. You got three shows this week. You got four shows next week. Yep. You raised over $2,300. I'm tired, bud. You're a teacher, too. I'm tired, bud. You're a teacher, right? That's what you do most of the time? Yeah, that's what I that's do. That's awesome. That's and what I do. And my principal won't give me the days off. Oh, come on, principal. We'll write you a note. Uh, you, you raised $2,300 last week in the shows. Yeah. Do you have any idea how much you've raised over the 10 years of doing this? Um, so when we look at our growth from, from the beginning to the end of year nine... Um, Talk right into that microphone. Sorry, oh, I was no just problem. trying to signal you. No, you're fine. <laughs> um, when we think about our growth for for the first nine years, it's gone up each and every year, and we've just eclipsed thirty six thousand dollars. That's incredible. Over wow. nine years, so it's a rough it's a rough average of about four thousand a year. Um, but we're hoping to beat last year's total, which was right around sixty five hundred. So nice. That's nice. the goal. That's the goal to continue that growth. And. Going back to Force, who is a city councilor in Northampton, I mentioned this briefly, and we only have one minute left. Uh, where are we at with Ninja Turtle manhole covers in the city of Northampton to celebrate that iconic uh, intellectual property that has origins? And why is there a town in New Hampshire that is trying to steal Northampton's thunder with Ninja Turtle manhole covers? Whoa. Well, they are not trying to steal the thunder. Uh, the, the the germ of the idea was started in Dover, New Hampshire. Okay, so uh, we stole their thunder. Well, no, it's a it's a it's, <laughs> we can be sister thunder. cities. Yes. Okay. Uh, so the first office, uh, Mirage Studios, was in Northampton, and we are still working on that project. Uh, the city itself is helping to guide this to its finish line. We've got uh, some proposals out for folks. Uh, we've been talking to a number of people to to create these manhole covers and whatnot. So uh, just stay tuned. We've got some more community building events uh, on the horizon. But before I go. I do have one question for Joey Bats. Oh, man. And that you have 30 is, seconds to answer. And the question oh, is, uh, if you are not able to attend the show, which you should, are you able to donate through any yeah, other means? that's a great question. Please check out Hip Hop for the Homeless on Facebook. Please check out at Hip Hop for the Homeless or at Rap Joey Bats. You can find all the links for the GoFundMe link. You can find all the ways that you could get involved. And uh, we hope to see you there uh, tomorrow night. But if not, we'll uh, circle the block. Oh, quick. And I'll be rapping. Quickly, on top of that. So it's a food drive and a, and a clothing drive Correct. on top of that. What type of food, what type of clothing are you looking for? Yeah. Um, canned goods is good. Uh, new clothing, specific, uh, sorry, specifically for children uh, would be awesome. Uh, so any stuff like that, we'll take cash donations as well. Uh, but, you know, anything, you know, you got, we, we'd like it. Catalyst, who's performing as part of Hip Hop for the Homeless tomorrow night. Are you guesting as well for us? I'll be there. Oh, all right. Let's go. Murph, Manny May, Crown Quan, and DRC tomorrow night, Gateway City Arts in Holyoke. Uh, Hip Hop for the Homeless, founded by Joey Bats. Thank you all for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Tomorrow on the Fabulous 413, we'll speak with Randy Cohen, the VP of Research from Americans for the Art, about findings on the art economy of Springfield and the nation as a whole and what that means for artists in our area. We'll hear about the Love for Humanity concert and teaching happening in Northampton, plus our weekly chat with Congressman Jim McGovern. Got a question for the representative? Email us at thefab413 at nepm.org. Special thanks to Spouse, Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, Quinn Christofferson, Patty Goria, Yo-Yo Ma, The Beatles, Grimes, Catalyst, and the folks behind the Jeffersons theme song, Farewell, Norman Lear. I'm Monty Belmonte. I'm Kelly Smith. We'll see you tomorrow.